Hello and welcome to the Comedian's Outlook. I'm Luke Anthony and for this episode I was joined by Jake Steers. He's had one of the quickest progressions through comedy I think I've seen. He only started in June last year and he's progressing, he's, he's now getting paid for work, he's, he's got such a good reputation in the comedy world. You know I haven't, I hadn't met Jake before this this um recording this actually I just knew him through I knew of him through the glass eye boys you know Louis Aaron and Danny and um yeah so I didn't met him and it's weird when with like comedy often a lot of the episodes I do are people that I've gigged with or I've met you know that sort of thing or or I meet them through Facebook and you you meet them for the first time when you're doing the podcast and you never really know how the podcast is going to go whether you're going to click, whether the podcast is going to go well. Like when I first started doing this podcast, I, I tried to list a whole load of different questions. And, and of course, when I when I speak to slightly bigger names and people have been going for many years, I do do a lot of research and I do cater those questions around and try and steer the conversation so we get the best out of it. But you know what? The best conversations are always the ones that are organic and the ones that just, just flow easily. You know, so I did a little bit of research with with Jake, but you know what? He's a very, very likable guy and he hasn't been going for that long in comedy. So it was just about talking about his his life and some of the just just having a chat. We're just having a chat. That was it. We had a chat. It was funny. I spent a lot of it trying to slip him up. Um, It was very, very amusing. Lots of banter. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. This is the last one before Christmas as well. And I, and yeah, so the next one is going to be in the new year. That's going to be with Russell Hicks. Um, That's going to be a really good episode that's coming soon. I would be doing that in the new year because I'm off to Sweden. So I'm not going to have time to get this sort of stuff out and ready and do the admin of it and all that sort of stuff. So uh, you don't want to listen to me talk anymore. Let's jump in. Let's jump in. Welcome to the show, Jake Steers. And to be honest, mate, I'm a little bit disappointed because the Glass Eye Boys, Louis, Aaron, and and Danny, had said that you wanted to lose your virginity, and I I thought we were going to have a proper bumming session, and, and I thought I was going to really. Well, I, I've got. I have been prepared for it. Like when you were telling me you're ready for a bum, I was like, "Well, if it helps me progress." <laughs> and then, and then, and then you messaged me and said you had Crohn's disease. Oh, I'm not going there. <laughs> yeah. but, but, do not want that sloppy shit on my dick. Yeah, so, um, that's all right. I'm, I'm taking it. your pod pod virginity. Yeah, no, virginity, I'm, whatever. Yeah, you want it to call is. It. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Please yeah. be gentle. Well, you're already part way through, mate. You've only got like another five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I've wasted it. I've wasted it talking about myself. It's it's longer than my actual losing the actual virginity. It's a lot longer than that. So well yeah. done, man. All right, that's good. Good. Well, you started what June 2018 last year? Yeah, yeah. Started at the beginning of June. Um, I originally wanted to do comedy for for a bit um, after uni, but I just never really plucked up the courage. And I think I, cause where I work, I work in insurance and I was just doing exams. So I thought I need to do something else, otherwise it gets pretty miserable. Yeah. And all my friends were in bands or playing for sports or doing whatever they wanted to do. And I thought, right, let's try and do something with the comedy. So I wanted to do it January 2018, but I kept on mm-hmm. um, I kept on getting nervous. I kept on getting too afraid to apply or, or get, having like little panic attacks. So I thought... Oh, can't do it and then eventually got to June and I went right I've I've got to do it I've got to do it otherwise I'll just keep on counselling or keep on just 
never sending that email, you know. So, yeah, June was the first time I picked, plucked up the courage and uh, did a gig in Camden, which was it was quite it was quite interesting because I'd never gigged in London, so like I didn't know really what the whole concept was. So that was your first ever gig, was it? Yeah, it was. I made the fatal mistake of bringing an ex-girlfriend because it was a bringer gig. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And it was, we'd just broken up, but we were just trying to get back together. And I said to her, would you like to come to this gig? She was like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And we're, we're, we're there. It's a bringer gig. It's about 10, 15 people. And she's like, what is this? Like, why have you brought me to this? I was expecting, like, the Apollo. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know what to expect either. And the MC, since she was one of the only audience members, said to to, her, so, um, who are you with? And she's like, oh, I'm with Jake. And she said, oh, what's your relationship with Jake? She goes, oh, I'm his (laughs) ex-girlfriend. It was just, the whole atmosphere just went out the room. (laughs) And I sat there going, right. Jesus Christ! What have I done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not with her now. <laughs> but it's uh, well, well, firstly, that I unpicked that a little bit because I, what I find quite quite funny is that if she just turned and goes, "Look, I know John Bishop. This happened to John Bishop, and after he did a gig, they got back together. They're just yeah. separated. I know you want to be a comedian, but you don't have to follow in his complete footsteps <laughs> trying to recreate his journey in comedy just because that's what you think it should be. Well, you can imagine that just googling all the comedians and looking at how they made it. Thought, that <laughs> yeah. seems the most plausible <laughs> from yeah, my yeah. situation. So you've been going for just over a year, and but now that happens in a room you'd be able to deal with that in a lot better way and oh, create comedy gold out of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's one thing that I've realised, because at that time I was like, wow, Jesus fucking Christ. I would be mortified if I was the MC and I had to deal with that. But now I've, where you gig and you see all walks of life and different different things, like I've seen people um, like try and fight in the crowd. Like it, it really is... Not, not all gigs are different there's never a same gig in terms of crowd interaction so yeah I'm a lot more confident with dealing with that yeah and uh, have you had similar things like that since where you have had to deal with it but... um, I had a gig in Southend uh, in April which was it was going really well it was good fun and we were both we were all having like a real good laugh and this lady, she was really... It was on a Sunday as well, uh, so I was a bit surprised, but she was absolutely steaming drunk on a Sunday. No, really? And the act... She'd just been to church. <laughs> yeah, to repent for her sins. I need some more! <laughs> Give me some more wine! I'm feeling really naughty! I need to repent for my sins! <laughs> Yeah, she definitely repented. <laughs> she drunk. Praise the Lord, priest. Let's go. Let's give it. You know, that's what. Yeah, like the priest is just flicking the holy water at her, and then and then just giving her a shit ton of bread just to sober up. Uh, she didn't eat enough bread. She, didn't eat enough bread. Uh, she she was she was rowdy. She was going for it, and the acts before me lost his call. We started calling her bitch and everything. Like he he was quite new. And I'm stood there at the back thinking, Gee. I was like, wow, I've got to go on after this. So I went on, she was a bit mouthy, but then I won her over, I started talking about Crohn's disease and that, and she, I don't know if she had it, but she could relate, she was laughing, she was enjoying it. 
I was on for 10 minutes and I think I got to about eight minutes in. She just snapped. She just lost her call. I did a joke about Hemel Hempstead from where I'm from. And I don't know why, but she just went, you're fucking shit. Get off stage. <laughs> and she lost her rag at me. And I started laughing and I started saying to her, like, I had you in the palm of my hand earlier on and I've lost you <laughs> with a simple pun about a simple joke about Hemel Hempstead. And yeah, she, she actually confronted the MZ and said, started getting really aggressive. And then, yeah, like five minutes later, she was escorted out. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope she had a really bad headache the next oh, day. Oh, I, I hope so. I hope, so. I hope she never came back because it just, yeah, it was it was awkward for some comedians, like for me as well, having to, because I was still quite new then, like having someone really aggressive, drunken woman screaming, swearing like there was no tomorrow, you know? Yeah, that, I've, I've never had anything as bad as that. I've had a dog heckle me before. <laughs> Literally just as I get up there, which is great, obviously, for them. Oh. That, that set got me paid work. Oh, did it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, just, I just loved it. That, I, that, the little dog, I should go back there with a dog treat. Yeah. And just be like, right, please. What, what was the heck? Was it just barking or was it just running just, around? Or? I was about to hit a punchline and then, and then he barks. Oh, no. And I was, oh. Yeah, that and really... it was like a heckled by a fucking dog. <laughs> That's awful. I um, I'm trying to think of other sort of heckles. I got heckled on uh, Thursday when I was in Kent. I wore a really loud shirt behind me. It's like a real floral, bright colours. And I walked on stage. And before I even opened my mouth, this old man shouted out, Oh, that shirt, that's too bright for me. That's fucking disgusting. <laughs> and the crowd laughed. And then I turned around and said, Good one, granddad. <laughs> and then, which won the crowd. But without even an opening my mouth, I heckled straight away. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the quickest heckle I've ever had. <laughs> it's just something you, you attract as hecklers, you think? Well, no, I've only been heckled like maybe three times and I've, I've done probably close to 200 gigs. So I've not been heckled often, but I, you always remember when you get heckled. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it kind of builds, it's like character building, isn't it? It's how you deal with it, it's spontaneous, it's not prepared. I think I think the trouble is with that heckling that annoys me is that I don't, I always feel like, you know like when you have a, you're approaching something with someone, you want to yeah. talk about something and you run it through your head yeah. and you go, you finish it and then you go back and oh, why didn't I say that? That was dynamite, that would have really, t- I would have won that argument if I'd said that. Yeah, uh, I And then, I just feel like that with heckling, like, you, you're on stage you get a heckle you respond in the way but on the way home you think oh if I'd just done this yeah. there's one of Glass Eye Boys where these these group of girls that weren't interested in this, you know the cock and pie yeah oh so yeah, 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 yeah so I you know got a big one. pillar there yeah. and it was just behind that and they were just having a conversation playing YouTube videos and like, at the time I thought I can't go and I was going to walk out and see him because I thought it would be hilarious just to sit down with him and get him to talk yeah, yeah. on the microphone Right, but I wasn't sure how long the lead was, and so I backed out of that, and I didn't. But I wish I had; it would have been brilliant. Oh, that's yeah. There was one time where my mum heckled me. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, and it's part of my stand-up now. You so. were a mistake. Yeah, well, it was a lot worse than that. It was. Um, so I did a gig, my first, one of my first gigs in Hemel Hempstead in the hometown, and my mum wanted to come watch. She's a fiery Irish lady from Dublin, and she was, she was saying, she was like, "Oh, I want to come support you." I was like, "Brilliant, but like, don't, don't make me look like a dickhead on stage. Like, don't heckle me." She's like, "No, I won't." Like, God no. So we get to the gig, and she sat in the front row, and I start talking about how it was difficult growing up in an Irish immigrant family during the troubles in the nineties. Um, how I used to get bullied and before I could get to the punchline my mum literally shouted out serves you right you fat fucking prick <laughs> and I was, I was like I was lost for words man I was like 
do you not remember that chat we had earlier about you not heckling me? So I, I, I told my mum to fuck off. I was, I just didn't know what to say. I just <laughs> went, fuck off, mum. But the crowd loved it and she got so angry. Really? Like, yeah, because she, she thought she was going to be like, um, be sort of like the big show sort of thing, like, oh, I've heckled and I'm going to get the laughs. And then I just told her to fuck off. The crowd loved that and she just <laughs> went quiet <laughs> afterwards. It's... <laughs> <laughs> He's grounded now. Yeah, that's it. honestly that's part of my set. It's that it's like a good. It's a good joke. It's one of my favorites. I like telling because you can add a few more layers to it. Yeah, uh, and just set the scene a bit more. But yes, yeah, when she heckled, I, was, I remember getting in it and I just said to my mom, like, "What was you thinking? Like, why did you heckle me in front of like sixty of my mates and family members in my hometown? Like that was gonna end it in only one way in tears." <laughs> but yeah, no, she she wasn't too keen that I told her to fuck off. Yeah, yeah. The thing is with that though, like I'm learning more and more now that you know, like when you you, that misdirection that you have to give, where you you run down one way with something, they think you're going to go nice with it, and then you go the opposite. So on the back of that, I mean, if you're if you've got that in a notepad and you're just bullet pointing off that, there's so much off that sort of stuff, and you could that that could be the final punch. Yeah, with that, with the tell her to fuck off, but you you build up this whole thing about you're loving your mum, didn't have a really good thing, and all that sort of stuff, and then you then you just completely undo that by running the opposite direction. Yeah, I, tr- I try and do that as well because it has... Yeah, that's the thing with the comedy. you got to try and... From my experience anyway, and I'm pretty sure everyone else has that opinion, is that when you're telling a story, they don't obviously don't know the situation. You have to pad it out and mm. let them know sort of like the visual set the scene and you go like when you're going down that route and they're invested into that they think oh I know what's coming next and then you just go free you know 180 degrees the other direction it has such a good impact and it gets such a good laugh when it mm-hmm. pulls off but yeah my mum my she's a she's a I, I love my mum but she's she's a scary woman like into, she's only about five foot if that but I, I learned as a kid um, growing up that I, she would defend me at all costs like like a mother bear defending her cub and I used to exploit that at school um, I'll tell you a quick story if I may I remember well, I was at school secondary school and I, my history teacher was my form tutor as well and he just graduated from teaching school so he was about 23, 24 and he met, um, and, I, and I didn't see eye to eye with him I used to clash with him just just how it was. I used to be a bit of a troublemaker. Nothing like terrible, just like talking in class, just being making jokes and whatnot. And I remember coming home one day from school and me and my mate were kicking puddles at each other, like as you do as a 13-year-old kid. Got in and my mum screamed at me because I was covered in water, muddy water, my suit was ruined. And I told my mum it was my teacher that made me stand there. <laughs> I said, sir, made all of us stand out in the rain because of, because of me, because I kept talking. She, my mum was like, that's not on, that's child abuse sort of thing. She was going, she was getting proper angry. She rang the school. A couple of weeks later, I forgot about it. I started playing PlayStation. I forgot about it. I thought, right, I've got, the, I've got my mum off my back. She's now having to go to teachers. A couple of weeks later, we had a school... Um, you know, like parent review day sort of thing. They come in, my, some of my parents come in with to talk to my form tutor. And my dad pulled me aside and goes, you do know your mum's going to talk to your form tutor about what happened a couple of weeks ago, about him making you stand out in the rain. Tell me the truth now. Did he do it? Because it's not, you won't get into trouble, Jake, but... Oh, it wasn't the big lie. Yeah, ex- exactly. I was smart. Like, I was like, no, I'm not falling for that. I'm not falling for that. So I stuck to my lie. I went, no, he did. We get to like the library where all the form tutors were, loads of parents, loads of kids. Like I'm just sat there, my mum's like staring my teacher out, like giving him death stare, like really angry. 
comes to my appointment like, and we sit down, me and my mum and then my dad behind me. And my form tutor quite, quite innocently says, oh, I hear you want to talk about Jake, um, like what he's been up to, you know, what he'd done a couple of weeks ago. And I, a bit of a side story, I didn't tell my parents that I'd been put on school report. I'd got into trouble, I got put on report. And my mum goes, yeah, how fucking dare you make my son stand out in the rain? Are you some sort of sick person that gets thrills out of this? Yeah, and she went on like a two, three minute rant, swearing, effing and blinding. And the teacher was like completely thrown back. He was like, what? I, I, I didn't do that. Jake, t- tell her, like, you're on report. That's what I thought we were going to talk about. My mum turned the energy towards me, like the angry energy. You're on report, Jake. And I was like... Yeah, but he made me stand out in the rain, mum. Don't forget about that. <laughs> and then he, my mum was screaming at the teacher. Like everyone at this point was just staring at us for um, at us for in the, having this chat. Like teachers, parents, friends, and I was getting redder and redder. I was like, oh god, I'm really out. Really, this lie's got way out of hand. And the teacher was like n- nearly crying. He was like, please, Jake, tell the truth. I didn't make you stand out in the rain. And I knew that if I come clean, my mum would have smacked me, I would have been grounded. PlayStation probably wouldn't have thrown out the window. And I knew that I was more afraid of my mum than my teacher. So I looked them dead in the eye and I went, sir, you did make me stand out on the rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not fine. But like, yeah, but I love my mum. Since mom, then though. he's had a nervous breakdown. Yeah, well, that was the thing. He, I went on to do history at university. So I, I did it at A-level and he was my A-level history teacher. And... We was in we was in um, we was in sixth form class history class and he was talking about just preparing you for university and people said oh uh, has there ever been a point in your teaching career that you never like you wanted to quit and the teacher looked at me and said Jake knows why he said there was one reason there was one time and it was because of Jake's mum and he told the story to the whole class and the whole class were laughing he was laughing as well he said and then he said he said your mum. I said, I had to teach your younger brother and sister every year. I had to see your mum three times. And each time she would just give me the cold shoulder and like be uh, be really horrible to me. And I said, sir, if it makes you feel better, she still believes that you made me stand out on the road. <laughs> <laughs> no way, no way. Yeah, I mean, that's great. That's a great story. And you tell that one, do you? I'm not. I'm trying to write more about my mum. So I just, that's the thing. Like, they're funny stories, but I want to keep getting the laughs well, in. I'll give you a soundbite of this one and you can use it to oh, yeah, deconstruct it. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. I, I do that sometimes with the yeah. podcast. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll tell a story. It will never make the final cut. Mm. Like, I, I keep trying to tell it in a different way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's great. I, it's I always one. do that. I always record every gig, even if it's a five-minute, um, like, open mic night, especially if I'm trying stuff, because I like to tinker with the joke. Mm. Um, if you, like, for example, if I, t- if I told a joke and I paused and that made it funnier like I want to know the intricacies of the joke and like see how like say deconstruct it what, where does the laugh come from is it the way I tell it how I tell it is it because I talk in a different way or slow it down it's yeah so much I've learned so much from just li- recording every gig and then listening but if it's on the train back or or the next morning on the way to work just it's so important I find and it's mm. helped me so much yeah 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 I mean that, that story about your mum do you and your, your teacher, do you think back and think, wow, oh, imagine that, if that happened to me now, oh, yeah. I can just, I like, you know when you grow up, you're like, oh, really, I, I can, I, that is a, such an awful thing to me, for me to have done to a teacher. Imagine you yeah. go into work and you get that. 
Like, well, that that nearly happened with uh, it nearly happened at work. Um, but yeah, no. To your first point, yeah, I'd I'd feel horrible if that was nowadays. Just because I know my mum's a bit now, she's a bit more older. She's probably a bit more senile. She's a bit more madder. She's a bit <laughs> a bit more crazier. But no, um, it happened at work actually. So I just started working at this new company, and I was working with this. Call him a dinosaur. He's like fifty-eight-year-old bloke. He was quite like um, how would you say like. Um, old school, like it was, was racist, homophobic. It was like it was it was it wasn't a nice person. But I used to get on quite well with him, and I asked him a basic insurance question just to sh- because everyone in the office thought he was amazing at his job. So I wanted to learn from him. I like could put past aside his like personality, but try and learn from him from an insurance perspective. So I started asking him a couple of basic questions, and he called me um, the c word. And I, I didn't really know how to... I'd never been called that in a professional working environment. So I just burst out laughing. And I just... I just <laughs> like, like a 58-year-old 58 bloke calling like a 23-year-old that. I just I just burst out laughing. I just thought, all right, okay, mate. Like, w- w- what's your point? Like, do you think you're like a big man sort of thing? So I, I went home that day and my mum my mum was asking me, how are, you, how are you getting on at work? And I was like, yeah, like everyone's really nice. And she goes, how's your, how your boss? How's the, like James's name was? How, how are you getting on with him? And I said, I think I'm getting on all right with me, but he keeps calling me uh, and I dropped the C word. And my mum was mortified. She's like, <laughs> it's like, again, this mother instincts of like a cub. She was like, is he bullying you? Is he picking on you? My dad's laughing because he like understands. It's like, I say hazing, but like you've got the, the top dog Dog, just giving a bit of like stick to the young guy just to, like not bullying but just like I don't know character building is what they call it um, and so I was like no mum it's fine it's fine and she goes I'm going to come down to work and have words with them no one calls mine <laughs> and like she had done that with school so I, I, I knew she was like 50% serious and I was like no mum it's fine it's fine and she goes no, no I'm going to do it so I went and had a shower come downstairs and I thought about it I thought I actually think she's going to come down to work. So I was a bit nervous. I thought, I can't have my mum in the first week of work coming in and trying to punch uh, my boss. <laughs> they just wouldn't go down well. And uh, so I spoke to my mum and said, Mum, no, like, are you actually coming down? And she bought a ticket to Euston. She, um, from Hemel to London, Euston. She was, she was coming to work to have words with my boss on Monday. And I was petrified. It took a good hour of convincing for, my, for me and my dad to say, Mum, do not come down. And she said, Jake, I won't come down, but you've got to promise me this. If he calls you again, you've got to tell me and I'll go down. Bearing in mind, Mike, like as I said, my mum's five foot. This bloke was six foot five, ex-military, built like built like a brick shithouse, mad guy from like the east end of London. And I was like, and I was like, Mum, you wouldn't even be able to punch him. She goes, I'll punch him in the bollocks. And I was, <laughs> I was, like, <laughs> I was like, okay. And um, so, yeah, I promised my mum I'd tell her. Monday comes, walk into the office, and I said, oh, hey, morning, James, how you doing? How was your weekend? He goes, yeah, I'm all right, and then called me the C word. And I just burst out laughing. I said, mate, you're not making this easy for me. My mum wants to come down and kick your head in. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. I never, to be fair, I never told my mum because I knew she would come to London and have words with my boss. I've seen her do it at school. So, yeah. Uh, did he mean it though? No, he? no, he was. I think he just called, he called everyone it. Um, he was. He was a nice. He was nice, but he was just kind of like a Jack the Lad for yeah, yeah. nothing. Nothing malicious. Uh, like you would have laughs with him. Yeah. Um, no, never. It was never once horrible to me. I could just imagine, like in like twelve years' time, 
him being interviewed by someone. Have you ever had a, a, a situation in your life where, where you thought about quitting um, the trade? And you be like, yeah, well, about 12 years ago, uh, this guy, Jay, uh, Jake's mum, came down and kicked me in the bollocks <laughs> because I called him the C word. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I wouldn't put it past her. How tall was she? Five foot, mate. She yeah. had me. She bit it. <laughs> oh, mum. Jesus Christ. Not again. <laughs> yeah. Just buying people's cocks. <laughs> yeah. My mum listens to this podcast, she'd be mortified. I've made her sound like a tyrant. Yeah. <laughs> that means she's going to come down and sort me out. Well, I'm about the same height as her. So yeah, yeah. I'd be interested. She met a match. Probably, yeah, why not, mate? Yeah, I'd love to do your mum. <laughs> I, you know what's aggressive? I have the control of the edit here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so I could, I could try and doctor this and make it sound like you said that about your mum. Uh, she'd you know, kick your head in. Yeah, she would, but then I'll just lock, change the locks on this flat and... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, move move away. Mum, don't get don't get a train to Houston. I'm I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Not, I'm not bullying myself. <laughs> bullying you. Yeah, exactly. No, she's really good. To be fair, though, my mum's really good with the comedy. Like, she loves the jokes about her. Like, Does she? Yeah, she, she she actually came up to me and, said, and like, gave me some advice on how to tell it better. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I can't remember what she said exactly, but it was, it was just funny. She went, you know that joke you do about me heckling you? Why don't you did this instead? And I did this. and So, you know, she's really supportive. Um, and, uh, my whole family are, actually. It's really refreshing, actually, because I was... I used to do a joke about my dad. Um, it was like a, it was a childish joke. I used to call my dad a pervert, and um, and my dad took it to heart. He was like, he was like, oh, I don't want the jokes to be on me. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm sorry, dad. I, I I won't do it again. Obviously, I did for another few months. Kept telling that joke, but um, but but yeah, he got he got a bit upset, and he and he wouldn't come to my comedy gigs because of it. Which was a shame because I would have loved to for him to have come watch me perform, especially in Hemel when I because in Hemel I, I don't think there's many people that do stand up comedy. There is in Hertfordshire you've got obviously like President, you've got um, you've got like Desmond as well. You've got you've obviously got Chris Norton Walker. Yeah, you've got you've got a good and Winter as well. You've got a good um, good people in Hertfordshire. Actually, Winter's in Hemel as well, but you haven't got someone that's from Hemel born in Hemel. So whenever I'm out back at home friends family if I see them always ask me about the comedy always say I want to come to the next gig and I'm like yeah yeah sure and I tell them and they turn up to be fair to fair um, I did a gig at Winter's Night um, down at the Fishery Inn it's like a pub on the canal I brought about 18 people and it was like a paid night as well it was it was like um, I think Mark Simmons was headlining so it was the first Brilliant. time yeah first time I did a pay ten, and it was it was I was really nervous because I'd never performed with friends or family, and I think it that's the problem. Well, I say that's the problem. That's that adds to the nerves, because if I do an open mic night in front of five, ten, fifteen people, strangers, it doesn't affect. It doesn't have the same impact if I if I mess up just because I don't know those people, as such. Yeah. But if I've invited friends and family, obviously people I love and care, I feel. The pressure a little bit because I want to I want to be the best I can be, especially if they're paying as well, you know. So um, it just adds to that. But it was yeah. So my brother, sister, they all go. Cousins, aunts, uncles, you name it, they go. That's interesting that you invite them along. I've I've told family and all that about comedy and that, but I don't. I don't really invite any of them along. Like, I, yeah. I'd rather them come to like an hour when I do an hour yeah, you know, yeah. and they'll see it, you know, in long, long form rather than 10, yeah. 15 minutes. But 
Yeah, it's interesting that they're, they're, it's, my, my family are completely and utterly invested in it. It's yeah. just, it's just uh, like you say, the pressure that you yeah. get. I just r- would rather not go through that. Yeah, no, I, I can, I totally agree. Um, I, I'd be honest, they, they, they're, they're the ones that are like, um, oh, I want to come see you perform. Um, like I will say, oh, would you like to come to a gig? Because I don't, again, I don't want to bring them, bring them all the way to London to perform in front of two, two people because people friends or family be like is that what you do every time you say that like especially in the office um, when they go Jay I want to come watch you perform imagine if I brought them in front of like two people yeah. and they'd be like do you do this three times a week I'm like no I, like the occasional one is this I want to bring you to a good one so the, that's the pressure as well because you've you're taking them to a good gig and everything's there for you to do well you've got like paid people like paid performers comedians smashing it you've got a brilliant MC you've got a crowd as well to react with to laugh at your jokes you know so it adds to the pressure you know and um, but yeah like I've got yeah cousins message me I've got one cousin in particular Dan that's tall as anything loves coming to the comedy he'll go he would even go to like the open mics he's he's really supportive and it's lovely as well because I don't say to him go oh Come, come to this gig or something he'll message me and be like oh, when you're next performing in Hertfordshire I'd love to come watch but yeah it's it's nice because whenever I'm out and about in town like if I'm out in a bar or something people will come up to me and ask me about the comedy and yeah people are very polite and they're like oh yeah I want to see you perform and I'm like yeah okay then go, go on my website or, or message me and I'll, I'll tell you the dates that I'm in Hertfordshire so yeah it's I'm very fortunate to have um, yeah, just uh, quite a good following, in, especially in Hertfordshire. It's it's nice as well. It means you're doing something right, sort of thing. Yeah. So, at what point did you did you start inviting them to your comedy? Was it was it like a few months in? Was it when you started getting a bit more paid work? Or um, well, it was the first ever paid gig I did. I did was it was like one of my first ever tens that I did. It was. So it came about winter, like I said, runs this gig, and it was I wanted to do this gig for a good few months, and it was about eight months in. So at this point, so it was like February, March this year, and all my friends and family were like, "I want to come watch. I want to come watch." I was like, "Yeah, okay, but let me pick the gig because if I, if you want to come, I want it to be a good one." So I just I threw it out there to my family, brothers, sisters. Uh, aunts, uncles, cousins. I said, right, this is the gig. That this is going to be a good one, and yeah, there was the first ever ten minute set that I ever did, and they come watched it, which was you know quite nervy um, because I never did ten minutes before. I never done ten minutes before, so I didn't really know what to expect. But I felt ready to do a ten, if that makes sense. Like I, I've been doing fives quite a lot. I did a f- quite a few sevens. I had a couple of five minute sets that were different but they had the same level of laughs per minute so I thought let's, let's try it and you never know until until you go go and do it um, a 10 sort of thing when you I've just started doing 15s and I didn't think then I would be ready to do a 15 but you don't know until you go up and do it you know yeah yeah it's it's uh, it's weird it's, it's, there's quite a big there's a massive difference between when they jump between 5 to 10 it's much bigger than 10 to 20 is it really well I think so I've got yeah I've only done a, I've 
I've done two twenties and it yeah. was fine. It was fine. I, like uh, I wasn't a hundred percent comfortable, but it was just to fill in whilst people were running late or whatever. But yeah, ten to fifteen. It's it's it's. I've got I've got fifteen minutes. So I've got twenty minutes worth of material. But whether it's actually any good, uh, well, it's hard because you, you really, especially if it's telling anecdotes and things, it's quite hard to test that out unless you're doing them. You know, yeah. you have to be doing them to to test them. That's that's what I do now. So like the way I go about doing the comedy now is. If I try and get, as I was saying to you earlier, I try and do a couple of gigs outside of London a week. That's where you get the most exposure. I feel like I've been getting tens, middles, and that. And I will, uh, yeah, when I do those, I will drop in one new joke. That the rest eight minutes or whatever is just my gold stuff, tried and tested. And then I'll drop in one new joke, just because so I can get a feel for it with a proper crowd. And then when, and then once or twice a week, I'll go into London and do a, like a five-minute open mic gig, and try it all new, just new ideas, new stories. And if and then I listen back to it, and if there gets even if it's a little laugh, I know there's something in it. And then that's when I start building for the next one. And then once that's ready, that joke, I'll go and when I go outside of London and do like a paid slot, I'll drop that. And, semi-new joke that I've worked on and yeah go from there mm. so how did you manage to bridge that gap then because that, that's always the difficult bit is from doing the gruelling open mic nights which I absolutely hate yeah like I even I even now I even hate them for new material oh really it was just because just because you're often turning up to like you said like a, a room that's empty or yeah. or you've got mostly comedians and a couple of audiences or it's it's in the middle of like a pub with a bar near it and stuff yeah. like that and it's just you just nothing's like you said like when you go into a club where people are going to see like the headliner mm. then everything's set up well for you they're there to yeah. laugh they're there to joke they're there to have fun yeah that's um, I, the way Bridget I, I, I do treat each gig the same in terms of like yeah it's, it's just a gig and I think that helps a lot I still get nervous don't get me wrong like if I'm doing an open mic slot I don't get that nervous because I know that I've been able to gig elsewhere and and do longer and I've been doing a bit of paid work. So I'm, it's not it's confidence. Like I, I know that what happens in that five minute open mic is not going to be the end of the world. And then when I go to these um, bigger nights, I get the fire in the belly, the nerves sort of thing. But I'd still treat it. It's just a gig. What happens happens there. And yeah, I think that helps a lot of the mental aspect. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I, I do get very, like, I say tetchy, like, the build-up of the gig on the day, I'm fine. Even at the venue, I'm fine. Um, even when the people are on before me, I'm fine. It's the last minute when I know I'm about to go on and heart's racing, um, getting a bit, like, a bit clammy. But then as soon as I grab that mic, it just disappears. And just as soon as you grab the, the mic, yeah, so because I just feel comfortable, like I've, right. I've seen the crowd, okay. and then then I tell my joke, like, I feel calm, and then when I tell my first joke, and if it gets a laugh, then I feel confident. I feel like I've got this. But obviously, there's times when the joke hasn't landed, and then it goes from calm, and it goes back up to the nerves, sort of thing. It's quite yeah, your face starts tingling. Uh, yeah, yeah, the beads of sweat are dripping yeah, yeah. down, and you're. Why has only been thirty seconds? Yeah, Jesus yeah, yeah you're looking at your watch, going, "I'm going to fourteen and a half minutes." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, but it's to bridge that over. I, I yeah, I, I like to get to the venue early as well if I can, just to walk around. I try and talk to a couple of the audience members as well before the gig try to just nothing like serious right just like hey how you doing just to familiarize myself with who i'm going to be talking to because i've yeah with stories as well um 
yeah, like they're not like it's not like a joke Gatling gun, like boom, 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 like laughter, 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 one after the other. It's like a, I'm building up to this big climax of the, of the story. So I, I want to feel comfortable telling Excel the story. pleasant. Yeah, <laughs> spunkle over them. At the end of the climax. Yeah, no, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want that to be going around the circuit. <laughs> How you feeling, audience? Where I'm feeling a little bit spunky. <laughs> Because Jake just got a whole load, he got a massive laugh at the end and he just came all over us. Yeah, just, yeah, massive, like, high on that, like, yes. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. But how, how do you bridge it then? Between what? Like, uh, going from, like, a, like the doing, like, a 5, 10 to a 15 or 20. Like. Yeah, I guess, well, the simplest thing is to tie them together. Yeah. But then it doesn't always work because, like, a 5... I learned that a five needs to be punchy. So if yeah. I ever do a five in, like, I don't know, the King Ted or something, I'll make it tight. Like, I've got a five in, I'm doing a five at um, Angel Comedy, and that, I have to be tight, I need to get a high hit rate. So all the stories that I'll be telling are going to be there, it'll be one story, but that each each comment has to have a punch. Mm. So you need to make sure that you're getting that. You know, you know like, I try and work it out in a way that, say, over, like, an hour, the average laughs you need to get per story... Yeah. Or if you're condensing that into five minutes, then it means that if you add those five bullet points that you're going to go through, then you need to make sure each one of those has got a punch and that's it. But yeah, it is with stories, I think you can build on a five and Definitely. expand it because like, there's so much and get off that. Definitely. You know, I can go down a different avenue and then branch off on that and branch off on that. So that's all right. Your guess, the only difficulty is, is like often at the end of like you say that you know, your, your climax where you spunk over the audience and <laughs> um, you need to make sure that that last joke's the big one so even yeah. if it's a 5, 10, 15, 20 an hour maybe you move that until later and that's the big still the big finale and it's, it's hard yeah that's I never even thought that it makes sense like because when you're telling a story not every word you're going to say not every sentence is going to be hilarious you build it up and up and if you can get three or four laughs in a minute then that's perfect. And but like we're telling the story, like we were saying earlier, building building the surroundings to, of the story so the crowd can invest into it as well. Because if I just went into it, oh, I did a gig, my mum heckled me and said this, it wouldn't have the same impact. Whereas if I build it up, add layers to it, tell who my my mum is, um, set the scene, and then yeah, and then get to the joke it's so much better and but there's silence in there I'm, I'm fully aware of that and I'm fine with that but the, but yeah when you do get to a punchline and it's like a wet fart of a laugh like like just flat lines you're like oh, I spent two minutes <laughs> building it up building the energy building the like not the tension but building up the expectation of a laugh because the crowd are like this this better be going somewhere Jake and I'm like here it is <laughs> hold on and then, and, then, and then you tell it and they're like yeah, you are. <laughs> you just kind of, but you can't show that on stage either. You can't just go, can't show demoralised. Just like, just like a really disappointing one night like stand where you just sort of turn away from each other. All right, cool. See you <laughs> later then. Yeah, cheers for that, guys. <laughs> That's done me a world of good there. <laughs> I just, I, I just, just get dressed and go, shall I? <laughs> yeah. Assuming your punchline is getting naked and doing a moonie. Well, yeah, that's what I normally do. Like, if all else fails, the trousers come off. <laughs> if I can't get it off, my dick can. <laughs> yeah. Micro penis. <laughs> Just for the record, guys, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. 
but he's got a shit stained ass. <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, no, it's clean at the moment. I try, yeah, I try to, you know. You haven't been drinking caffeine or anything? No, I tried. I'll tell you what, the first time I drank caffeine after having Crohn's, Jesus Christ, I was. I could have. I could oh, have been. enough of the toilet humour, Jake. Yeah. Like, lower your tone. Like, so you I'm going to cut that bit yeah. that I said and just, yeah, leave it like that. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, okay. So one of the other thing I wanted to mention, like, was with comedy. Obviously, the first thing that any promoter ever asked is how many gigs you've done. Mm-hmm. Have you got a video? Yeah. Right, and I think you're proof that you don't necessarily need to have done 300 gigs no. to, to get. Paid spots. Yeah, definitely. Because you know, um, it's always a minimum of a minimum of. Yeah, if you've done the right things in the right places to the right people. Yeah, so it's a bit annoying sometimes. Like I've had promoters say you need to have done five hundred gigs, and I'm like, really? For a, like even for like a seven minute open spot at a gig, and I'm like, but uh, well, look, I, I accept it. I'm like, that's fine. Um, I could probably lie and say yeah, I have done five hundred, but I, I think I'm coming up to about not even 200 about 180 or so I've, I really stopped counting after 100 because it, I, I don't see the point and I'm all at, like we were saying earlier again like quality over the quantity I'd rather do three 10 minute gigs than six five minute open mic ones I'd rather go out of London in front of like 20 30 people whatever like just to build my experience and that and the video I was a bit fortunate I went to Cosmic in Berlin in April and I just had everyone has like a blinding gig where a gig just everything went well and I got it was recorded they recorded it and it was a I think it was an 8 or 9 minute set so I had that video and then it also looks good when you tell promoters oh I went to Berlin and this is my set from Berlin because you think oh I can do it overseas you could probably do it X, Y, and Z. So yeah, it's 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 annoying when people turn you down because you haven't done the criteria of two hundred gigs or the, or whatever it is. Because yeah, I I I'm one of many that are testament that you don't have to do hundreds and hundreds to do open spots. Um, I think a lot of it is networking as well, like uh, chatting to promoters and just yeah, just being polite as well. A lot of, like if I get turned down, I don't throw my toys out the pram and go why. Why, why didn't I get that? I just take it on board and go, right, I'll come back in a few months. I'll work on that. Or I'll ask for advice as well. I'll go, like, is there anything in the video you didn't like? Was it? And then that helps as well because I'm always learning. We're always learning. Um, like I've told a joke a hundred times and then the 101st time someone said to me, Jake, have you tried doing it this way? And I thought, do you know what? I haven't. I'm going to try it that way. And then it actually it improved my storytelling like it actually got a big better laugh and it's one of those um, yeah it's it's annoying but you just you roll with the punches roll with the punches yeah what about yourself like how many gigs have you say you've done then I haven't counted yeah, yeah. I never did yeah you never not did not even at the start no because I still have this theory that I don't think it even matters like it does yeah. certain things but if you're good enough and you just say yeah I've done a thousand gigs mate yeah, yeah. and then you go and smash it because the whole, the whole point of the masking you've done over 500 gigs is that they want you to go up there and look like a pro. Yeah. Right, so if you're performing like a pro, anyway, like I'm not saying that yeah. I am, but I, but, yeah. but you're clearly getting recognised wherever you go, you're, being, you're getting called back, you know, done winters, you're getting called back to do other things, you've done angel, yeah. you've done all the big gigs that people want to do. Yeah. And so, and you, you're getting invited back. Yeah. So that that's enough proof. It is, yeah. I don't think you need to have, I mean, yes, experience and the time and all that that you've done something is important. Yeah. But, if, if and you'll probably grow as a comic, a comic and look back at this and think oh shit then 
in 10 years time for yeah, sure. yeah definitely but at the same time you've got to start somewhere and if you're performing at the level you are and that's getting you paid work then don't change it yeah. at the moment yeah exactly yeah. but yeah like my my 10 minute set that I do now that I did on Thursday and Wednesday is entirely different to the set I did in February when I first did my 10 like yeah. completely different like not I think maybe one new maybe one joke has stayed in out of the 10 minutes but then I used to talk a lot I was mentioning Crohn's I used to talk about three or four minutes worth of Crohn's disease and I learned quite quickly that maybe one joke is fine but like doing jokes about that continuously it just kind of not alienated the crowd but the crowd just wasn't invested in it so I was like right get rid of that and uh, just maybe if I need to do one joke about it but yeah it's a constant evolution like that fifth so yeah so when hopefully when I start doing more regular 15s and 20s I'll look back and think well that 10 I was doing what was I thinking sort of thing or like oh oh yeah you know it's, it's just that constant tweaking I'm never happy with my material even when I come on stage and I've done I feel I've done well I think what's the next thing what can I do to change it can I is it the way I tell it the way I'm standing I don't know obviously you can't pick that up on a voice recording but but I'm aware of it I'm like do I stand there rather than walking up and down the stage do I just be a bit more I say low energy and just stand there and tell jokes yeah it's I'm always tweaking um, and one day I'll be happy but <laughs> one day no you won't no you won't no, one I day know. one day you'll be doing Stu Goldsmith's Comedian's Comedian and he'll get to the end and goes are you happy and you'll be saying no I've just had the worst shit of my life <laughs> <laughs> the, the other th- um, oh I've just thrown myself off there I was going to ask a fucking great question um, oh. oh yeah um, okay yeah speaking to Sean McLaughlin a couple of, a couple of weeks ago about about like and I know you performed alongside him he's been on the podcast and he was talking about how he put out too many videos to the public early on when he first started and his advice to any comic of coming up and up and coming early on is upload your comedy stuff but have like that private link with it so you send that to promoters so they can see this they can see the video but not have it published to the public yeah, because once a guy at work said this as well. He said once your jokes are in public, then they've heard it. They they like they like especially if they look on bills and they see your name, they go, "Oh, I'll just Google and see what he's like." And it comes up with five different videos of like and doing stand up, or her. They'll be like, "Well, I don't really need to see him now. I know what they're gonna do." Or if you tell the jokes on that night, they'll be like, "Oh, I've already heard that. I was expecting something different." Yeah, I, I, I think I've got I think I've got like four videos um, on YouTube, but they're all private. Uh, yeah, I think they're they're all private. Um, I made one unprivate for like a day just because people at my work wanted to see it. I was just like, okay, just rather than keep sending the link out, I just thought I'll make it unprivate, tell them, and then I made it back to private. But it's so true because once it's out there, people know that sort of thing. Like it's it's and it, especially if it's one of your better jokes as well, you can't go back and use that again. So yeah, I'm very aware of my um, yeah videos and try not to try not to have them um, in public domain. But I have, have a little bit here and there, but stuff that doesn't go into my paid material. Like if I try new stuff or something, or I've noticed a lot of comedians they put on, especially if they're MCing or they do crowd work, they'll upload that because that doesn't necessarily go into the material. It's like crowd interaction, especially if you get a funny interaction where someone's like, I know. 
offended or they're or they've tried mugging you off or whatever and you've reacted to it and it, it gets laughs i've seen people i think that that you should do because that keeps people uh, invested there's a comedian that i like actually called sam morrill um and he's a uh, from new york way new jersey i think and he uploads maybe two or three times a week but he uploads crowd interaction rather than his actual set and I think that's good because it, it shows it shows a bit what you're like with your material but they also um, yeah you don't give away your actual jokes that you've prepared for so yeah it's I think keep it to yourself and what's your next step man next step so yeah 2020 it's an interesting one I um, I started doing a few middles I, I want to do more middles um I, want to, I need to write more I need to write more I need to write more um, and I'm, I am writing more me and a couple of comics we it really helps this we give each other a couple of random words a week so it could be old phrases and you have to do material on it so it could be like learning to drive or when you had when you went through pre, uh, puberty and you have to write like two minutes worth of material doesn't necessarily mean it will go into your set but it's just it gets you writing so I've done that and that's helped massively like that's I do it with Louis actually from Glass Eye and I do it with a mate Dan in London and so I'm, I'm writing four new things a week that I never would have thought I would write about you know and the plan for 2020 is more middles yeah yeah trying to do a bit more paid work build my profile as in like my website build my fan base a little bit more I want to gig overseas again so like I'm doing Cork next week but then after that I'm like next year I want to go to Barcelona that's a real nice place to gig I've been told I've got a friend who lives in Brussels so there's a couple of gigs there that I was wanting to do actually but I didn't have time to do it this year and yeah overseas gigs a few more just just to just to say you've done them just to say you've been overseas um yeah more more paid work and then by the end of 2020 um I want to be starting to maybe think about doing a 20 like just sort of thing whether it's paid or not but just like getting familiar with 20 minutes and yeah um, I want to perform at a couple of not big clubs like I would like to do um, I'd like to go up north as well actually um, like, you want to go up north yeah okay. I want to you've gone abroad before you've gone up north yeah I know I know uh, that's what yeah that's why I think it's like a like a, an apprenticeship isn't it doing it like I want to do um, just even if it's like a 10 minute open spot somewhere or or um, like hot water for example they do I think they do ones on Sundays for like newer acts but yeah I want to do a few more of the London gigs as well like Backyard would be lovely to do um, as well as like Up the Creek and so, you know some of those big ones because I, I, I do the stand, I've done the stand up club that used to be Piccadilly I've done that a few times that's really good fun I really enjoy that so yeah I'm, I'm getting there but it's just one of those you just got to keep going don't get disheartened um, that's the worst thing is to throw your toys at the pram and, and not do it do you think looking back when you first started now like like because when you first start you take the bad gigs really hard mm. you think oh I'm shit at this uh, how, how are you doing now when you look back if you have like a slightly tough gig I, I yeah if, if it I, I tell you what September I died on stage for the first time in months like a horrendous death like nothing every like even that joke about my mum heckling me that's normally my if I'm struggling I go to that joke and I get to laugh that had nothing no, no laughter and it really upset me I took it so personal I was really like just deflated and that was September but um 
and I actually realised I was just burning out like energy I'd been gigging all, every corner of like South East England and I just had enough in terms of like I had nothing left to give energy wise so I had a three week break which made me a lot better like I come back uh, rejuvenated excited had the spark back and so yeah if a gig goes wrong I do take it I, I get upset well I say upset I, get, I kind of go fuck's sake like why didn't it work and then I'm straight back onto listening to it, recording. Like, where did it go wrong? Did it, was it because I started, or was it because of this, or whatever? So yeah, I I'm never like I said, never happy with my stuff. I want to improve, but I'm a bit more thick skin now because like when it went, I remember the first time I died, I was literally like mortified. I was just like, what the fuck? Like I, I that's a, it was probably an arrogance thing, but like it was humble. It brought me back down a little bit because I think. You know, I think it is it. Sarah Millican has that eleven a.m. rule where, like, the next day you don't talk about the gig, even if you smashed it or if you died, you just move, keep moving on. And I was definitely not in that mindset. So if I smashed it, I'd go on about it for weeks, be like, "Yeah, I really did really well at this gig," and keep keep thinking that. And it kind of just false ego sort of thing, kind of get a bit bit arrogant. And when you crash. Again, I would think about it for a good couple of weeks and I'd be like, why didn't it work? And I would have the opposite effect. I think maybe I'm awful. And But yeah, I had that for a while, for a long time. But then when you do those bigger gigs and it goes well, you know that that's the level you 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 can do. If you could do that in front of 150 people in front, and with people that are like pros and whatever, then you can, you can go down and it doesn't go well the next time. It's okay because it, it just happens. And... Nowadays, I'm a lot more thick-skinned. I still get upset. I don't get well, I say upset. I still get deflated a little bit, and I and I it makes me work harder. Like I don't mind if 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 it goes wrong, I want to know why, and then constantly trying to improve yourself. And I think that's the thing. Don't take it to heart now. Just it happens. Every like everyone. There's never if there's never been a comedian that's not died and st- like everyone's died on stage. It took it took yeah. people. Well, I was talking to Sean. He he was. Took him years. Yeah. Like he, he said he said himself that for so many years he was just not hitting yeah. home, and then he just just clicked and it worked. Like the same with James Acaster. Yeah. You know he took ages to to not die. He had, he had the minute he started doing really well and started getting paid work, he started dying on his ass every week. Yeah. You know, so no one's immune to it. it the thing that he, Sean didn't think there's a difference between like crowds. Like there's no difference between different crowds, but. Yeah. You certainly have to play like a club room different and yeah. be in your own hour. Yeah, like, definitely. That, that, that's the advice I've heard anyway. Yeah, no, I, I, I've noticed that. Like, uh, whenever I gig in a club, it's yeah, the crowd are expecting more. They, they, they come to life. They come to be entertained. Like they're paying money, you know. So you want to give it your best. And but whereas if you're doing, I don't know, like a even if it's like a good open mic night, the pressure's less. So in the crowd. I'd say the crowd are probably a bit more. I'd say not easy, but they're like they they know what to expect. Like if I'm paying nothing to get in and I'm seeing like five comedians, like I'm not going to be disgruntled or I'm not going to be annoyed that that one of them or, or all of them have been okay, sort of thing. Whereas if you go to a club, they like especially like in like like if I went in Hemel or like places outside of London where like maybe like a lesser background like economically where they've had to like this is their big night out for like a month or whatever they've put they're really excited for this gig and to watch some comedians have a good time and if you go on there and you just like 
died or you just was the crowd didn't find funny then you can see why it's difficult you know and um it's it's interesting i, I like i like the bigger clubs obviously but, but it's just um it's, you you step up you either sink or you float sort of thing and it's a real real test to to you as a like comedian like whether you belong there and i have no qualms if i if i, if I the first time i did one of those big clubs if i died flat on my ass would have been gutted, would have been mortified, but I would have been right. I'm going too fast. Let's dial it back. Let's go back to basics and work on it. Yeah, it's also also that thing of you're there to make people laugh, and it's yeah. I think the thing I learned quite a lot from Matt Price, who's yeah. boss one here, was that he's an absolute pro. Yeah. He just says that I'm there to be an entertainer. I'm there to be a comedian, and whatever that audience needs whatever state I'm in whatever I want to talk about then I need to make sure that I make that room a good room regardless of what material I want to do tonight Yeah. the end goal is to make sure that they have a good night yeah uh, yeah. I'm not happy until I know that the crowd are happy sort of and like that's nice when you come off stage and people come up to you and like, talk to you and, and that, that's that's always my bit that I, uh, it's, it's nice to hear comments from members of the public yeah, sort of yeah. thing, just like oh yeah you're really good or, or I even had one that got uh, um, audience member a couple of weeks ago in Cambridge um, Saffron Walden it was one of Jason Stamsky yeah, yeah. really nice I did I did well really happy with it but the audience member come up and said oh have you thought about changing your joke to this I was like no but like thank you for that um, for that advice like, I appreciate it like if you can see that and then you can give me that advice it helps so I love yeah I love it when um, I cut, like, like you said about Matt Pryor I'm there to make the crowd laugh um, and it's hard because, like, with crowds, they don't know what to expect. Um, I don't know what the crowd are expecting from me. I, I know what I'm going to say, and it's down to me to get them on board with me, not the other way around sort of thing. So it's, it, yeah, it's it's difficult, but when it pays off... I remember the first time I did a really good gig. Again, it was it was Winter's gig in Hemel, and it was the first time I did ten, and it it just it just went well. Like everything, I couldn't sleep. I went to bed. I was just laying in bed, like just absolutely buzzing. Like couldn't sleep. I was absolutely just happy with myself. But also, I was like, well, I need to improve because like I need to tweak it so often. Like I, was... I got a text from Jake that night. Actually, he texted me saying. I've completed you porn. <laughs> I have completed you porn after Winter's gig. It's incredible. I actually finished every single video. Yeah, it was a tough old slog that. But yeah. I just want to thank my family for supporting me. <laughs> <laughs> I got Especially your mum. <laughs> yeah, the times I wanted to quit, she was there going, Jay, you can do it, mate. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is she goes, do you want me to speak to them? I'm going to come in and speak to them and, and uh, have a go at these porn stars and, and tell them that they've, they've ruined your dick. <laughs> feel like that Rocky montage. <laughs> so much since you're a baby <laughs> and yeah so alright so you, you've lost your virginity today how does this compare to losing your virginity in the bedroom oh Jesus uh, it was a lot longer this time <laughs> yeah, it lasted just about an hour yeah, yeah. Less, less laughs this time as well <laughs> oh, sorry, no no I'm messing uh, I, I've really enjoyed it this was the, as we were saying earlier this was I had a list of 20 stuff I wanted to achieve in comedy in 2019 um, gig overseas get paid uh, make a website do all these sort of things and the last thing was do a podcast I've I've wanted to do a, like just to be on a podcast just yeah. to I don't know I've, I, I'd just like to have done it and I'm very grateful and thankful for you to have given me that opportunity you've helped me complete 2019 
You're welcome, man. You're welcome. Oh, I feel a bit sick now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I can't believe you just said that. No, please, yeah, no, don't throw up. This is rented to this apartment. <laughs> I want my deposit back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that like now, now you've got it, you can get everyone to give it like loads of ratings and subscribe, 100%. and then and then uh, and then the more people can listen to your episode. Well, can you imagine how cruel that would be? I've picked up. Like, I've got a great following back at home, <laughs> but they're not going to come listen to their podcast. Yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, um, yeah. I've of course, I'm really looking forward to to, to this. It's it's been a delight, honestly. It's yeah. nice to. It's gone quick as well. Like like we were saying, like with comedy, if it's going well, it goes quick. Yeah. And this has not felt like an hour. I just hope that the listener feels the same way. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, can you imagine like some some person from my school going like, for fuck's sake, Jake, you told me to listen to this podcast, and yeah. Jesus wept, worst <laughs> hour of my life, <laughs> losing fans left, right, <laughs> and just because you, you can see it on Twitter when when like a famous person's Twitter just gets like loads and loads of likes yeah, yeah. you can just imagine like all the likes going down you, you can just physically see the counter going can, down you can you can like, especially on those Facebook you can do like the analytics yeah, yeah. <laughs> so could you imagine just, boom yeah. <laughs> bigger fall than like a stock market that's crash. my dream <laughs> build the dream. podcast up to a certain point where I get millions and millions and millions of listens and then just slowly just, dwindle it out until there's just, absolutely just, nothing left just alienate the crowd <laughs> That's and then in the last episode, it's just me going, bye. For an hour, just on repeat. <laughs> yeah, just just put it on repeat. Yeah. Uh, so where can people find you, man? Uh, I've got my website, um, which is, I've just started it. It's quite, it's still like a work in progress, but it's, I've got a newsletter that I'm trying to send out. It's my name, jakesteers.com. Um, and yeah, that that's where you can find me on Facebook as well, Jake Steers Comedy, and Instagram as well. I do quite a lot of stories, whether it's about my comedy or my actual cat, uh, Marvin. Just thought I'd give he's quite a big supporter of the comedy, you know. Yeah, yeah I thought a bit harsh not to mention him. Um, but yeah, find me um, in London or outside of London. I'm always around doing my bit. I'm yeah, all over the southeast England. But yeah, next year, watch out. Let's see what happens. I'm Jake just... Steers has gone this far just over in just over a year. And imagine what the next year's got for him. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm excited, though. Yeah. Uh, I need to get a car and stuff. You, there's another porn site you can use, Pornhub. Pornhub, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, yeah, no, that was the first one I completed. Oh, shit. 16. Oh, I don't know what's left now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm scraping the It's your dad still got his stack of porn mags. Um, do you know what he did and then when we moved house they went missing so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we're going to have to maybe, maybe they're in the will maybe you know maybe maybe yeah, well, yeah. you get extra, <laughs> extra spunk stains oh. crusty, crusty pages stuck together <laughs> oh gee oh. Oh, what a way to finish that <laughs> yeah me dry heaving <laughs> No, but the, the podcast wasn't already ruined. I've just done it now. Thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> no, no worries. Cheers, man. No worries. Thanks, Luke. Uh... So, Jake, this is the, the quick fire uh, round where this is a premium bit of the podcast. Oh, love it. This is the first time we're doing it. So, just got some quick questions for the listeners that do subscribe to this and pay little fee for this uh, first one um, often with a lot of with, with comedians you, you pick your Twitter handles your social media handles yeah. right if you're if Jake Steers was taken if you could pick if you if you wait a minute fuck it Janet this is because it's a script yeah that's, oh, fine. Shit, that's, that's fine that's fine first question 
a lot. And first question: if you if you could have picked your own name, what would it have been? Um, for a stage name, uh, I would have I would have liked a double uh, syllable first name. So maybe Sunny. I would have liked Sunny or Sanford. Maybe uh, I don't know why, but they just two that stick with me. Okay. <laughs> Great answer. No worries. You could just use Jacob. I could have done you, but Jacob Steers doesn't yeah, really work. Yeah, no, it doesn't. But Sunny Steers, Sanford Steers, I don't know. Oh, Jacob my, Johnson. Yeah, oh, my middle name is John, so Jake John. Uh, but then again, I sound a bit of a traveller. <laughs> Jake Sean Steers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Right. A lot of comedians are disgruntled and failed musicians. I'm one of them. If you could rename your own, what would your rock group be called? Rock group. Uh, Jake Steers in the Middlemen. Anyway. He's thought about this. Yeah, I've definitely. <laughs> You've really thought about this. I was awful. I, I had, my parents spent about 500 quid on guitar lessons. Can only play a C chord. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? You're an absolute disgrace. <laughs> All right, would you rather have dinner with Piers Morgan or Donald Trump? Piers Morgan, I think. Why? Why? Um, just because he, he lot, I think I could probably connect to him on a sporting level, whereas Trump, I probably think I'm having, is this real life? Is this guy actually a human? Or, you know... Piers would probably I could probably connect with him a little bit well better than I could with Trump okay what what would you ask Piers um, why are you such a massive bellend it <laughs> 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 wasn't going to be a polite dinner <laughs> alright so you see now you've gone down that route where you'd want to you'd, you'd want to spend the dinner with the person you'd least hate yeah, right? yeah, yeah but then wouldn't you want to just like if you had a choice between would you, who would you want to like like punch in the face because Ooh. And like there would be no repercussions because if I punched Trump, well, I'm pretty sure I'd be killed. Like, the next, yeah. next question: <laughs> um, If you could do anything illegal without getting caught, what would you do? <laughs> if I could do anything illegal and not get caught, um, probably do fucking mushrooms or something. Do drugs? <laughs> do do drugs. drugs? Yeah. Like if I could walk out of a club, it's like no, I don't even. <laughs> it sounds terrible. <laughs> I don't know what. what um, yeah, I'd probably say drugs. Like, if I can get away with being high, um, maybe. I could just feel my my fanship just plummeting now. Jake's this drug <laughs> disgrace. Yeah. Well, this one this one is... No, the next one is going to be a Crohn's disease-specific yeah, one. Oh, yeah, please. Starting the conversation. You know, we have to talk about these things. We'll yeah, talk about of course. It. So, if there was one food that you, that you miss, if there was one food that you could wish... What is the food you wish you could keep eating with crazy? Uh, well, I yeah, I love cheese, and whenever I eat cheese, um, I always get really bad indigestion, as I end it flares up the Crohn's. So yeah, probably cheese. I, I still do, but I just have to suffer. <laughs> but yeah, no cheese, definitely. And what about drink? Um, fortunately, I can drink. Uh, yeah, I've been on week holidays with mates and drunk every day, and yeah, I'm touch wood that is fine. Uh, for some reason, it's dairy, cheese milk that I, I struggle with and oh, yeah. cheese is my kryptonite I yeah. can't live without cheese me too <laughs> let's start a me too campaign yeah. on cheese great idea Steers well done well done Steers you've just fucking ruined all of the Extinction Rebellions and the feminist movement that we're trying to get to because you want to start a me too campaign about cheese yeah for fuck's sake <laughs> right what would you do if you were home alone and the power went out? 
the power went out. Well, we established in the episode that you 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 finished you porn, yeah, and Pornhub. Well, I wouldn't need to. I would like I've completed that, so I wouldn't need to to have a wank. Like I've completed that. Um, I'd pretend to be a ghost. I'd just go around scaring my parents, if, especially if I was in a house with, or if I was in here in this flat. I'll just go out in the corridors and pretend I was a ghost and maybe scare some people. Or, You're home alone. Oh, I'm. Oh, sorry, I'm home alone. Jesus. Um, I, just go around scaring yourself yeah just Where? yeah psych myself some, out take some muff, uh, mushrooms some roofies forget 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 that you eat you a lot play, of cheese yeah eat a lot of cheese start hallucinating and then and then just start playing tricks on yourself yeah that, that sounds you're like a ghost and freak the shit out of yourself it sounds like a normal Saturday night that does just yeah. fr- eating a lot of cheese and yeah. tripping out that's what I'm doing after this podcast is it yeah it's gonna, gonna just uh, disconnect the power run to say <laughs> run to Sainsbury's yeah. buy 30 quid's worth of cheese then speak to a dealer get some shrooms and have a nap on the toilet and you, just let it all drop yeah that's the stuff of dreams that you know yeah. people always want to know what the comedians do when they're off stage that's what I do I, I think it'd be really dangerous for you to be famous, rich and famous because oh, like you just you just buy like a, a truckload of cheese and just kill yourself <laughs> in a night <laughs> like all those rock stars that have heroin overdose cheese overdose I was absolute mental at uni I got like chucked out of halls and everything for being too wild so god knows what would happen if I actually had money and yeah. if I was a celeb I just, I'd be one of those people just stumbling out the clubs like covered in like feta cheese and <laughs> 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 or brie Jake's uh, I think it's just nature's way of saying, mate, you need to sort your fucking life out. 100%. He's Crohn's, have that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It hasn't stopped me. You need something to feel oppressed about. <laughs> it hasn't stopped me. I'm still just as mad yeah. as before. My worry is now that, that like, like Cheddar are going to get, I don't know, who makes cheese. Who makes cheese? Um, cathedral cheese. Cathedral, oh, yeah, Cathedral cheese will hear this, right? And they'll be like, right, we're going to basically send you like a ton, literally a ton <laughs> Of cheese. Can we just have one massive ton-sized block, yeah. block of cheddar to Jake Steers? Can you imagine my fat mate comes in after a weekend round? It's like a liver and full of cheese. He goes, what have you done, Jake? And I'll be like... I've got a sponsor, mate. Yeah, I've been... Sp- <laughs> I've been sponsored by cheese and I can't even fucking eat the stuff without dying. <laughs> I'm on the phone to my mum. Mum, I've made it. She goes, what do you mean? So I've got a sponsor. Things are looking great for me. She's like, what do you mean? been sponsored by Cathedral Tree. Jake, you can't eat it. Yeah, but it doesn't matter, Mum, as the principal. <laughs> How much have you got? A life supply. Well, you're not going to live very fucking long, are you? It's going to be the cheapest, cheapest sponsor for them in, in the world. And they'll get loads of publicity. <laughs> yeah. Failed comic dies of cheese over Go there. Go and say a prayer in the cathedral and you'll be fine. <laughs> well, hey, I like that. <laughs> hey, proper joke. Yeah. All right. When you die of cheese, yeah. right? cheese consumption and overconsumption, right? What would you like written about you on your gravestone? Uh, what would I like? Oh. Death by cheese. Yeah, death by cheddar. Um, died doing what he loved, gorging on cheese. Um, I don't know. Um, I would like. I would like it to be nice. I'm pretty humorous. Um, um, I don't know. I read somewhere a tombstone said like something like, "Oh, um, it was like the guy or person who had died." They said like, "I'm not actually dead." That people have like tried to bury me alive or something. But I'd probably doing what he uh, yeah died. <laughs> it depends how I die actually. Really, like if I died in an awful way, I'd just probably like in a drug shamed um, sex orgy or something. Probably like just nothing. <laughs> just normal guy <laughs> misunderstood. <laughs> just, just open quotes, close quotes, and that's it. Yeah, just a line for it. <laughs> just a one long underscore. <laughs> 
yeah, some, just yeah, just blank disgrace. And then, and then, then like, P.S. Fill in the blank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd probably just have a link to my Facebook page and be like, leave a review of my comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a great comedian. Yeah, it was was in, in quotes was could could have been successful if he hadn't have let the, the fame get to his head and and took a year to a life supply of cheese <laughs> and then day. took some mushrooms and took some roofies and then the power went out and he decided to just 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 get absolutely fucked off his head and died with a power cut honestly you're making this sound like this is a bad thing I think this is a great way to go yeah like when did, when I do leave this earth and it and that happens you're going to look back and go do you know what he stuck to his words <laughs> he did what he wanted to do yeah. and I've got to respect him he wasn't that funny but he <laughs> achieved what he set out to do some of us want fame and fortune he just wants to die of eating <laughs> so much cheese I, that's the thing it'd be, it wouldn't just be like cheddar it'd be so many different cheeses oh yeah Cam- melted camembert yeah. you'd have that drip like molten oh, camembert yeah. down your chest and you'd be found with like <laughs> with like like a, a bit of bread like just stuck to you like a few stuck olives to nipple. <laughs> stuck to my nipple stuck to your nipple where, where the camembert just melted down as you were just taking the last bit of mushrooms and you just sort of collapsed and you caved in and could, could you it. imagine the person that finds me in that state <laughs> just sat there just like cheese everywhere and like breadsticks and bre- uh, all different types of, and you make it always look dignified exactly if I could if I could outdo Elvis then yeah that's, that, the, that's yeah. the dream isn't it 100% you want to be the Elvis of comedy yeah why not Let's, do you know what instead of losing weight which I'm trying to do I'm going to hear me out here guys I'm going on a gorge I'm going to get fatter and fatter and my talent I say talent loosely is going to get worse and worse and worse to the point I die on the to- on the toilet like Elvis as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's written in the stars. So with that in mind, now what would you like written on your gravestone? <laughs> well, this is this is giving me more options more than anything. It's not narrowed it down. Um, I would probably say um, King of Cheese. King of Cheese. No, um, always always got laughs even in the bedroom. Less. <laughs> right. I don't know. Well, there you go. I took a long way to get to that question. It really, it really anticlimactic. <laughs> He paid for this as well. Yeah, I know. They fucking paid for <laughs> They've literally just heard me talk for five minutes about how I'm going to die with a yeah. cheese overdose. They're like, where's this bonus footage? What is this bonus footage? Yeah. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> Pleasure. Cheers, Luke. So that was Jake Steers. Oh, what a great guy he is. I really enjoyed that. It was really good. He's such an easy guy to get along with. Um, we had a good chat. Really thanks to him for inviting me into his home. I now have a parking space for, for London, which is free, that now I can just park outside his house and then jump on a tube. Um, you know, perks of doing a podcast and doing comedy. You meet people. Well, I'm not going to tell you where it is because having that parking space is very, very helpful, I can assure you. Anyway, look, that was a great episode. I really enjoyed that. I've got some good news, actually. I'm off to Sweden. I mentioned that in the first bit. But I'm going over there. I'm going to see um, some family, some friends. And, yeah, I'm going to be meeting up with three comedians, hopefully three comedians, and we're going to be talking about comedy in Sweden. And so that's going to be coming in the new year, too. But the next episode is going to be Russell Hicks. We're going to hit the year with a bang with the amazing, the loose cannon that is Russell Hicks. So stay tuned for that. But don't forget to follow Jake Steers on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I don't know if he's on Instagram. But just, look, in the show notes, there's there's some links in that. And if you go and follow those, you can follow him. That'd be good. And you can follow me, at Luke A. Comedian. And also, 
yeah, that's great. Share, like, review, subscribe, all that stuff. If you can do that, that'd be amazing. Anyway, a mustache. Thank you so much for listening this year. And 2020 is going to be a good one. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Cheers. Hello, I'm Luke Anthony. Do you love hearing about the stars, careers, lives and mental health? Or Meet the Stars is a brand new podcast all about that. Join me every week from Wednesday the 2nd of December for an excellent conversation with a different star each episode. Simply go over to members.starevents.online to become a member which gives you exclusive access to every episode and so many other brilliant features just for you. See you there.